Good morning, everyone. I'd invite you to open up your Bibles to the book of Acts, chapter 2. We're going to be in Acts, chapter 2, this morning. And uh, I'll begin reading uh, at verse 36. But before we get there, just a little bit of background and why it is that we are in Acts chapter 2 this morning. You see, if we are not willing to give ourselves to the practice of prayer, then in 2021 we're not going to get very far. That is the message for us this first Sunday of 2021. We will not go anywhere. We won't grow spiritually or numerically or in any other way if we are not willing to dedicate ourselves to prayer in this new year. Now, during the fall, we did a evening outdoor uh, service and we had a sermon series in the book of Acts, chapter 2, looking at verse 42. And this was supposed to be the final sermon in that series, but it got rained out a couple of times. And so even though we tried to schedule it, it never actually happened. But providentially, I believe the Lord was saving this sermon for the beginning of this year so that we could begin with a focus on prayer. So Acts chapter 2 and verse 42, we read this. It says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Now. The first three sermons that were preached on this passage focused on how the early church first devoted themselves to the teaching of the apostles. And the teaching of the apostles could be summarized as a Christ-centered proclamation of the gospel from the Old Testament. That is, they preach from the Old Testament, from the Word of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ. That was the teaching of the apostles. And that's what the early church devoted themselves to was the gospel. Next, they devoted themselves to the fellowship. That is the spirit empowered unity of those who are in Christ. They devoted themselves to being together with other believers in unity of the spirit. Third, they devoted themselves to the breaking of bread, which is how they spoke of the sacramental unity around the practice of communion, even as we will do this morning, celebrating communion, they devoted themselves to that unity around the sacrament. And for this morning, we will see how they, that is the early church, devoted themselves to prayer. And in particular, what we will see is how prayer fueled their mission. So often we think of prayer as an inward-facing discipline. We think about how it will change our hearts and how it will change our minds. And yes, it will do that. But it will do that for a purpose, for a reason. And the reason is to propel us forward in the mission that God has for us in this world. So let us turn our attention now to Acts chapter 2, verse 36 and following. This is God's holy word for us, His people. 
Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now this is the conclusion of Peter's sermon on the day of Pentecost. Now verse 37. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to Himself. And with many other words He bore witness and continued to exhort them saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received His word were baptized And were added that day about 3,000 souls. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. This is God's holy word for us, His people. Let us pray. Almighty God, as we come to You At the beginning of this new year, we pray, O Lord, that you would set our hearts towards the practice of prayer and that in calling out to you in prayer, Father, on our own, in our families, and in our church, that you might empower us to the great mission that you have for us here in Lynchburg and in the world. We pray it in Christ's holy name. Amen. Now the book of Acts begins with the resurrected Jesus giving His apostles their mission. Giving them their direction. You see, they had been with Jesus now for several years and their mission during that time was to learn from Jesus, to be a disciple of Jesus, to absorb all they could through being with Him, to be His students. And they would always remain students of Jesus, but now they were entering a new phase of discipleship. Not just becoming a disciple, but replicating themselves and making new disciples. Jesus was calling them to teach others to follow Him as well. And in Acts chapter 1, Jesus says to His disciples, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be My witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of of the earth. You see, this is the mission that the disciples of Christ were given. They were called to be witnesses of Jesus, to make disciples of all nations, as he says in the book of Matthew, in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and to the very ends of the earth. 
And the book of Acts shows us how this mission began in the first generation of Christians. It begins in the city of Jerusalem, right? On the day of Pentecost, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and the sermon that Peter gave that we read the conclusion to in which thousands became Christians. Then the witness of the apostles began to spread out to Judea, then next to Samaria, and then finally the church breaks out into all of the earth. Peter goes to the home of a Gentile man named Cornelius and his whole household received the gospel. Paul and Barnabas were set out on their missionary journey and they preached the gospel in Cyprus and Galatia and Macedonia, Philippi, Thessalonica and Ephesus. And by the end of the book of Acts, which began in Jerusalem and then expanded out in these concentric circles, it finally ends in Paul in Rome proclaiming Jesus Christ. The powers opposing the gospel were dumbfounded. In one generation, the church went from a small band of Jews to a worldwide movement encompassing all nations. The disciples were described by their opponents in Acts 17 as these men who have turned the world upside down. But the mission of the church to reach the ends of the earth with the gospel did not end in the generation of the apostles. You see, even now, there are still places and people who have not heard the gospel. There are families and communities that do not know the saving power of Christ. And this is why Rivermont has a mission in Lynchburg and in the world. This is why we have a purpose beyond these four walls. Because there remain people who have not heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, this portion of the earth is what God has given to us to be witnesses. It is this place and it is this generation that God has assigned Rivermont and has said to us, Be my witness Turn this city upside down with the gospel. You see, we have the same mission as the apostles, but it is particularly located here. So if we have the same mission as the apostles, we need to ask, how was that mission accomplished? What was the fuel that enabled them to be such effective witnesses to the gospel of Jesus Christ that they turned the world upside down? And what we'll see this morning is that it was prayer. It was prayer that fueled the work of the early church. Prayer provided the path for the gospel. Prayer provided the power for the gospel. And prayer was the passion that fueled the missionary efforts of seeing the gospel spread. And if we too would turn Lynchburg, Virginia upside down with the gospel, that is, bring biblical reformation to Lynchburg, Virginia, then we too must be devoted to prayer. Now the first thing that we see is that prayer will provide the path for our mission. See, the early church knew that it was called to bring the gospel to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And yet, that did not really narrow their mission down 
very much. In essence, Jesus said, be my witnesses everywhere and in every place. In Matthew, Jesus says that the gospel will be proclaimed in the whole world and that the disciples are to be a witness to the nations. The world is the mission field of the church. And yet, each individual cannot do the entire job alone. And even us as a church, we do not have the power to reach every single person in the world. So that means we need direction. We need discernment on where the Lord has called us to be witnesses to His name. And we will only receive the direction we need, the path for our mission, as we devote ourselves to prayer. Peter, when he gave himself over to prayer, the Lord opened his heart to go to the home of a Gentile man named Cornelius. The church in Antioch, after fasting and praying, then commissioned Paul and Barnabas to be missionaries in the Roman Empire. Paul himself, while in prayer at the temple, received a word from the Lord that he would be sent to the Gentile nations as a witness to the gospel. As the church devoted themselves to prayer, the Lord gave them the direction that their ministry needed. He encouraged them in their call to reach the ends of the earth. Again, in Acts chapter 16, we read an enlightening portion of Scripture in which Paul, through prayer, received a vision of a man from the region of Macedonia urging him to come and preach the gospel. Come here. This is the path. This is the direction. Come to Macedonia. And when Paul was obedient to the direction that he received, we see many come to faith. Lydia was converted and her whole household was baptized. The Philippian jailer was also received the gospel and his whole household was baptized. Through prayer, the Lord provided the path for their ministry. And we have to understand this truth. We will not go anywhere until we pray. Now, we might try to reach our neighbors. We might attempt to share the gospel with our family. But if we have not first gone to the Lord and sought His direction and sought His guidance, our mission will go nowhere. When I was in college, I played on an intramural basketball team. And we were horrible. We didn't win one game. But the problem was that it wasn't that we didn't have talent. We had plenty of talent on our team to be able to compete with the others that we were matched up against. Our problem was that we had no plan. We had no plays. While the other teams put in at least minimal effort to plan a few offensive and defensive schemes, we would just show up and hope to compete. All the planning we did was make sure that we were there at the right time. And this is what we do so often in our efforts to reach our community when we don't first pray. We have no direction. We have no discernment. And what I have found is we get overwhelmed by the task before us and we give up. We say it's too big of a task to go out and proclaim the gospel to all the world. So why should I do it? Yet prayer has a way of focusing our efforts and giving us the direction and the path that we need in the proclamation of the gospel. The reality is, is that we are a church that can only influence a limited number of people 
for the kingdom of God. And yet, if we devote ourselves to prayer, if we're willing to give ourselves over to prayer as a church, then the Lord will open up the path for us in the proclamation of the gospel and our influence will be exponential in its power. How are you going to reach your children with the gospel? How are you going to reach your coworkers, your neighbors, your students, your friends? You must begin with prayer. Pray like the early church. Pray like Paul who said to the church in Colossae. Pray for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ. We must devote ourselves to prayer. Because prayer will provide the path, the direction for our mission. But prayer does not just provide the path for our mission. We must also devote ourselves to prayer because it provides the power to accomplish our mission. Right? It tells us where to go, but now it will also give us the power to get there. In a household of five children, batteries are an important commodity. We felt this particularly around Christmas time. You need batteries for talking stuffed animals, for flashlights, for the glowing turtle nightlight. We need batteries for toy cell phones, for toy laptops, computers, and for gaming devices. And once the battery runs out, the toy is useless. Right? You look at it from the outside and it still looks the same, but then when you try to use it, it doesn't work. It doesn't function properly. Right? And this is the way that it is when the church tries to fulfill her mission without first devoting herself to prayer. We are like a toy with no battery. We might look like the church. We might even do some things that churches are supposed to do. But if we are not devoted to prayer, then we will not have the power to accomplish the mission that God has called us to. This is why the early church was so effective in her mission. She was convinced that prayer provided the needed power to accomplish the task. Jesus commands His disciples to remain in Jerusalem until they receive the power of the Holy Spirit to embark on the great mission of being witnesses to all the world. So what did they do? Well, the book of Acts tells us that they came together and as one they prayed. And in the midst of their prayer, they were given the power of the Holy Spirit. When the first deacons were set apart for service to the church, the Word of God tells us the apostles ordained them to the task with prayer, knowing that they could not fulfill their ministry apart from this power. Before Paul embarked on his missionary journey, his church gathered together and prayed for him as they sent him off on his missionary journey. When the church was founded and elders were appointed, the order at hand was to pray for their ordination in the service of the church. Why did the early church find prayer such a central aspect of ministry? Because they looked at the reality of the mission that was before them, the task that God had given to them. 
They were a small band looking out on a world that was filled with unbelievers. And they realized without the power of God, this mission will go nowhere. And we need to come to the sobering reality that the kingdom of God is not going to come by our own talents and abilities. No matter how gifted you are, the mission that we have been called to will only be accomplished by the power of God working through us. And therefore, we need prayer. You see, we are not trying to move bodies. We are seeking to see the rebirth of souls. We are not seeking to fill a building. We are seeking to see the kingdom of God filled. We're not seeking outward obedience. We are seeking heartfelt change and belief in Christ. You want to see godly change in your family? Then you need to pray. Do you want to see a community that loves the Lord and seeks to obey His Word? Then you need to pray. Do you want a church that is growing and thriving? Then we need to pray. Do you want to change in your own life? So often New Year's is a time when we set out all these things that we want to see changed in our lives. All of our New Year's resolutions. Do you want those things to happen? Do you want positive change to come in your life? You cannot be your own taskmaster. You will rebel against your own tyranny. You need to go to the Lord in prayer. And ask the Lord to change your heart. There's a show that April and I watched a few years ago. You may have run across this show. It wasn't a great show, but it was somewhat entertaining. It was called No Ordinary Family. And in it, it starts off with an ordinary family that through a fluke accident gets superpowers. And the dad becomes super strong and the mom is super fast. The brother has super intellectual abilities and the daughter can read minds and control thoughts. And it was this last superpower that I began to daydream about once. I thought, you know, to be able to control minds and thoughts would be a very nice power for a pastor to have. What if I could read the minds of my parishioners? And what if I could change and control their thoughts? I could find out what was wrong with them and make them believe the right things. I could get lots of people to come to the church and I could get all the volunteers that I needed to make the activities run that I had planned. Obviously, this daydream had gone on too long already. But then I reflected... That would just create a church full of people who had not been changed. And no real work had been accomplished. And this was profound to me. Because I realized that even superhuman power cannot compete with the power of God. And the power that He releases through prayer. Because no matter how powerful I am as an individual, no matter how powerful you are as as an individual, 
You cannot change a human heart. You cannot save a soul. Christ alone can do that. You do not have the power to accomplish the mission that God has sent you out to do. So what do you need to do? You need to pray. You need to call out to God and ask Him to empower you, to give you the vision, the path forward, and to give you the power to accomplish that vision. We can't accomplish the mission that we have been called to on our own, and therefore we must pray. We must devote ourselves to prayer because it provides the path, provides the power. Prayer shows us where to go and it gives us the fuel to get there. But one final thing that I see prayer providing for the church is that prayer provides for us the needed passion. The needed passion to accomplish the mission that Christ has sent us out on. You see, the mission to be witnesses to the gospel of Jesus Christ is not a mission that is well accepted by this world. In reality, we are in a mission to take back enemy territory. And for the most part, enemies don't like to give back what they have taken. Satan does not want the reign of Christ to come to the world. And so he will oppose it. And therefore, we do not have a passion to see this mission accomplished. If we don't, that is, we'll just stay home. In Acts chapter 4, we see this opposition to the gospel manifest itself against the apostles. Peter and John were called before the Jewish council, and they were threatened for preaching salvation in Christ alone. Now we need to remember that this council were the same men who conspired to get Jesus Christ crucified, right? These were not empty threats that were brought against Peter and John. They were told, stop preaching in the name of Jesus Christ. Remember what we did to Jesus? We can do the same thing to you. So stop it. What was their response? We read in Acts chapter 4, when they were released, they were let go. They went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God. Okay, they heard the threat. Stop doing this. So they got together with their friends. They got together with the church. And they said, let's pray. What do we do? Let's pray. And then we read in verse 31 of the same chapter. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit And they continued to speak the Word of God with boldness. Prayer provided the passion to continue to boldly proclaim the Word of Christ even in the face of threats. It will take a God-given, prayer-empowered passion to complete the mission that God has given to us. We must overcome the world through prayer. You see, there are countless reasons for us to give up on this mission. We can get comfortable. We can look around at our church and say, you know, we're doing pretty well. We can rest upon our laurels and just wait it out. 
Or we begin to preach the gospel, we begin to share the gospel, and we meet just a little bit of opposition, a little bit of pushback, and we get scared and we stop proclaiming the gospel. Maybe we begin to preach to our family members. We share the gospel with them and we get the pushback of, hey, stop making our family gathering so uncomfortable with your religious talk. Let's just keep it on surface level. And you, that's, that's enough of an opposition that you just are shut down. Or maybe at work, you have an opportunity to share the gospel with a coworker. And then a manager comes in and says, hey, you can't do that around here. And that just that little bit of opposition shuts you down. You need prayer. You need prayer to give you the passion to continue to proclaim the word of God with boldness, even in the face of opposition. The task is never has never been Labeled as an easy task. As something that, yeah, the world is just going to receive you with open arms. No, the world will not receive us with open arms. And if we do not have a passion that is rooted in prayer, at the littlest bit of opposition, we'll be shut down. So what do we do? We go forward where God has called us to go with the power of prayer. And when we meet that opposition, we go back to prayer so that we'll have the passion to continue. You might think, I don't know what to say. You might be scared that people won't like you. You're worried that you might get in trouble at your job, Christian. These may all be true. But if you would devote yourself to prayer, the Lord will give you the passion to proclaim the Gospel where He has called you. You see, it was only through prayer that we as a church will be provided with the path, the power, and the passion to accomplish our mission. John Wesley, the famous 18th century revival preacher and the father of the Methodist church, was quoted as saying, God does nothing except through prayer. You see... That is what happens in a church that does not pray. Nothing. Nothing of value will happen. And that's what the enemy wants. When nothing happens, then people die without Christ. When nothing happens, then people go hungry and children continue to be neglected. When nothing happens, marriages fall apart. When nothing happens, the city is lost. And so this new year, I encourage you, at the top of your New Year's resolutions, if you do those, if you don't do those, then just make this one resolution. Devote yourself to prayer. Begin with your own prayer, going into the prayer closet on a daily basis, going before God and calling out to Him. Devote yourself to pray with your family to pray with your wife, to pray with your husband, because together you have been called together on a mission. So you need to pray. Pray with your children. Teach them, train them how they are to pray, because they have a mission as well in this world, and they need prayer to be empowered on their mission. 
pray with your church. Pray with your church. We have opportunities to pray as a body. This Tuesday coming up, we have our monthly prayer and fasting. And we ask you, as the pastors, join us. Pray with us as we call out to God. Starting next Sunday, we will begin again our Sunday evening prayer service at 4 o'clock. We meet together by Zoom in this season. And I encourage you to come to that. Look, sometimes praying can be an activity that doesn't excite you that much. Let's be honest, okay? I know that there are people that have come to the prayer meeting and they've gone, well, that was kind of difficult, an hour of praying together. And it wasn't something that filled them with glee. But that's okay. It's okay if you come and you're like, you know, I don't know how much I got out of that. It's not all about you getting something out of it. We gather together to pray so that we'll be given the path so that we'll be given the power and that we will be given the passion over time. And so what I would encourage you, pray, pray. And as you do, God will fill you with that excitement. God will fill you with that joy. And those times of prayer will become some of the most empowering, some of the most God-fulfilled moments in your life. But you must dedicate yourself to it. We can no longer sit back and be content with nothing. We need to devote ourselves to prayer because without prayer, we'll go nowhere. And we'll do nothing. But when God sets His people to prayer, then the very kingdom of God and the mission of Christ will be established here on earth. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. Almighty God, we come to you now and we do pray, O Lord, that you would give to us the power to dedicate ourselves to this task this year. That 2021 would be a year that would be marked by prayer in our own lives, in our families, and in our church. We pray, O oh God, that You would give to us, Lord, such a sense of the power of prayer that we would, despite all the opposition that the enemy and our flesh brings against it, that we would pursue it. And that Your mission for us in this world would be accomplished in Lynchburg, and to the ends of the earth. We pray this in Christ's holy name. Amen.